Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. And so today we're actually going to talk about establishing a devotional time. Establishing a devotional time with God because it's so important in our walk with the Lord. Now I believe that many of you in the room maybe do this. Some of you want to do this. Maybe some of you know that you want to do it more. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning and the importance of our daily personal time with God. And here is why it's so important. John 15, verse 5 to 6, this is what Jesus says. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. So here's Jesus telling us that he is the vine and we are the branches and we are supposed to remain in him. Now, How many of you are gardeners? Any gardeners in the place? A couple, okay. You can raise your hand up. I'm not going to, I always feel like when I ask that, people are like, he's going to trick us. No, I would be honest. If you're a gardener, um, I'm not really good at gardening. And so if you come to my house, you'll see that my yard has like zero trees now because I've won and I've cut them all down. And so, (laughs) see, trees for me bring leaves and leaves bring raking. And I just don't want to. And so, that's, that's, my, that's, that's my deal. Melissa wants trees, and I'm like, I don't like raking them, so I cut them down. Um, so this, but how, I do know this about trees, and I do know this about vines, and I do know this about plants. A healthy branch is attached to the tree or to the vine all the time. I know that's rocket science, eh? We don't see a branch that's attached to the tree fall off, do its own thing, and then later try to reattach itself. And I know you're sitting here being like, Chad, it's a branch, it can't move. I understand that. But how many of us as Christians come to church on a Sunday morning, attach ourselves to the vine, and then let go, and we hope that we can make it to the next week? This is why it's so important to spend time with God on a daily basis because we're attached all the time. So we're receiving from him. We understand that we're connected to him. And this is what I love about this verse. This is what's so important about this verse is it says this in in the verse 5. It says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear fruit. See, here's the other thing. A A healthy branch that's attached to the tree produces fruit. I don't, when we have pear trees out here, and I don't have to go out to this pear tree on a healthy branch and try to encourage it and try to help it produce fruit. Because it's attached, it just produces fruit. It just happens. So when you think of the fruit of the Spirit, and if you think about different parts of the fruit of the Spirit that you want in your life, And you're just like, oh, man, you know, I know the fruit of the Spirit. I'm supposed to have love and joy. It's just not really joyful right now. Look what we're going through. If you want joy in your life, you spend more time with God. 
If you want more patience, you spend more time with God. It's not that you have to try to be joyful. No, you spend time with God and you get the joy of the Lord. It comes out of you. So we're going to talk about the effects of being connected to Christ this morning. There's five of them. And so we're going to start with the very first one that we say, we have fellowship with the Lord. One of the effects of being connected is we have fellowship with the Lord. If you read through Scripture, it's a central theme. All the way through Scripture is that God made us to be in relationship with him, to be in fellowship with him. I want you to let that sink in for a minute. God made you so that you would have fellowship with him. Think about that for a minute. The God of the universe created you just to hang out with you. This is what he wants. You want to know what your purpose is? To be connected to God. And through that, you will connect to other people and minister. Humanity, the pinnacle of his creation, was created in God's image. All of us created in God's image. So that he could be with us and fellowship with us. And what the fellowship was broken, if you read in Genesis 3, we see that Adam and Eve, they broke this. And it was our sin that separated us. But God started a plan right then. So that we could come near to him again in relationship. He started immediately by introducing the sacrificial system. So when people sinned, they would sacrifice so they could come closer to him. But it was with limited access. Only the priest could get close. We were from a distance in the tabernacle. And then he promised to draw near to us through his son, born of a virgin, who would come to us as Emmanuel, God with us. And then the word became flesh as it dwelt among us. You see that in John 1, 14. And after he died and raised from the dead, he left, but he promised us a counselor to be with us. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9 says, God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is faithful. He's called you. I want you just for a minute just to say, God has called me. Say that to yourself. God has called me to be in fellowship with him. 1 John 1.3 says this, we proclaim, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are supposed to have fellowship together with each other and we should talk about Jesus, our fellowship with each other and with Jesus. When was the last time that you were hanging out with a friend. I realize in the time we're in, you're kind of like, well, Chad, it's kind of difficult. No, you can still connect. But when was the last time that you connected with somebody or hanging out with a friend and you actually asked them how their relationship with Jesus was? We don't ask these questions. We talk about sports. We talk about the weather. We talk about gardening. But when was the last time you sat down with a friend and just having coffee or tea or hanging out and you asked one another, hey, how's your devotional life going? What stood out to you in your Bible reading this week? What is God doing in your life? What is he speaking to you? 
See, we believe that God still speaks to us. Therefore, he is speaking to every one of us. So you have a fresh word from God that could encourage me because he's speaking to you. I just need to ask you to maybe pull it out of you. And sometimes by asking each other, guess what it does? It reminds that person, reminds you, oh yeah, God speaks to me. And if I'm going to have coffee with so-and-so, they might ask me and maybe I should come with a word. Or you pull up for coffee, you go to somebody's house to drop something off. Maybe ask the Holy Spirit as you're driving, Holy Spirit, do you have a word for encouragement for them? Do you have a scripture verse that I can just tell them? You don't need to teach. You could just say, hey, God just wants me to tell you today that he loves you. You know what? He's standing with you. He hasn't forgotten you. What about when was the last time you were with somebody and you're hanging out and your friends, obviously these ones here, these next questions are a little bit more personal, but you asked, how's your marriage? How's your relationship with your kids? As we talk to each other, it's not inquiring to be nosy, it's inquiring to pray with each other, to, to walk through life. I don't know about you, but I like it when friends of mine ask me, hey Chad, They don't ask me about the church. They don't ask me about ministry. They don't ask me how things are going with the church and the reopening. They ask me, hey, Chad, how's your family? When my friends ask me that, I know that they're praying for me. And so when we ask each other, it's going to hold us, not accountable, it's going to hold us in love and lift us up. As Christians, we are called to do fellowship with each other and with God. So how do we do this? How, how do we have fellowship with God? Well, by means of praying, but also listening prayers, hearing from God, waiting on him. We're also supposed to be reading our Bibles, and while we go about business in our day, constantly asking God and speaking to him. See, obviously in these times when we're spending different times with him, we need to have regular time with him. It's not just throughout the day. It's regular time with him. Just just as you understand in other relationships, if you think of your marriage or your kids, you have to spend specific time with your spouse. You have to spend specific time with each kid so that you pour into them so the relationship grows. Same with our walk with the Lord. See, here's what I've realized in the last probably year and a half. I function best when I get up early in the morning. And so I've started getting up between 5 and 5.30, And I spend time with God before anybody else gets up. And I'm downstairs, Melissa's upstairs, and it gives me most days about an hour and a half to two hours with God. And I will tell you something, I'm a better all-around person when I'm doing this. And you want to know how I know that? My family tells me. I'm being honest. My family can tell a difference when I am up and spending my time with the Lord on a regular basis because as we read earlier, you will produce fruit. Now some of you might say, well, well, Chad, I just can't get up that early. I want you to know neither could I. But I changed my schedule. And we were talking to staff this week and we were asking some of the questions we left with you like, hey, what hinders you? from spending time with the Lord. And I was honest with our staff, and I'm going to be honest with you. Here's what hinders me from spending time with God. I'm selfish. And here's how I'm selfish. 
I meet with people throughout the day and I help people and I talk to people all throughout the day and then I go home and I spend time with my kids and with my wife and we hang out together and then when the kids go to bed, Melissa and I sit down to watch TV and most times I watch a show that she likes because it's a good show and I'm not going to confess to the guys what show it is but I watch it with her and it's actually okay and I'm not going to confess it out loud because this is live online. So, but when she goes to bed, which is at a time that I should go to bed, I think to myself, well, I haven't watched a show that I want, and so I'm going to watch a show for me. I'm being selfish. And then all of a sudden I turn the show on, and let's be honest, I, I stream everything, so there's no commercials, and they always end on a cliffhanger. So one episode turns into two, and if it's a really good show, it could turn into three, and the next thing I know, it's really late, or early, depending how you look at it. And then I can't get up to spend time with God. I'm just selfish. And so I actually have programmed in my phone an alarm to tell me to go to bed. Chad, are you not disciplined enough to go to bed? I don't know. Probably not. (laughs) And so I have an alarm telling me to go to bed. You might think, Chad, two hours is a long time to spend with the Lord. Do you know that it's not even 10% of my day? I want you to know that most of us work at least eight hours a day. So if I think working a minimum of eight hours a day is healthy, then why would I think spending such a small amount of time with God is healthy? I'll give my workplace eight, but I'll only give God half an hour. And I wonder why work stresses me out. Because mathematically, more influence from work than God. I'm just challenging you this morning. What happens if you change the way you think about spending time with God? See, a lot of us will ask this question. How much time do I need to spend with God? What if we changed it around and started asking this question instead of how much time do I need to spend with God? Asking the question, how much time can I spend with God? See the difference? How much do I have to? And how much can I? How much time can I spend with him so that he pours into my life, that I hear his voice, that I'm connected to the vine, and I just begin to produce fruit? I wish at work I wasn't so stressed out. I wish at work I wasn't uh, so grumpy. I wish when I came home that I was just more joyful and I had more patience with my kid and my spouse and I, I was able to love better. Well, what if I connected to the vine and I just began to produce this fruit? Well, Chad, do you mean if I spend a couple hours with God, I'll just begin to produce these fruits after a little while? It's not a light switch. And you might have to decide, Lord, I need you to help me in this area. But what if we switched our mindset about how much time do I have to to how much can I? Number two, One of the effects of connecting to God is that we won't wither. We won't wither. If we're connected, we don't wither inside and die. John 15, 5 to 6, as we've read it, verse 6, it says this, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. 
I don't know about you, but I have a pile of branches at the back of my house from other people's trees or the ones that I cut down. And when they dry up, I burn them. This is what we all do. I don't know about you, but when Jesus says that we wither and he picked up and thrown into the fire and burned, I don't want to be that branch. When I'm not spending time with God, I'll tell you exactly what happens to me. I get moody. You can ask Melissa. I get sensitive. I'm easily offended, and I'm also very critical. And I'm very defensive. I know everybody in the room thinks that they have to, like, Melissa living with me is like, oh, Chad, spend time with Jesus. But what are you like when you don't spend time with God? Or, reverse it, what are you like if you spend time with God? If you're not spending time with him, think of it the other way. See, I understand this because when I'm spending time with God, I know who I am, I know how I act, I know how I respond. And in the busy times when all of a sudden I don't spend as much time with him, yes, I'm human just like you, that I realize quickly oh my goodness. And I can pick up on it because somebody will say something to me and I'll get defensive inside and I'll be hurt by it and I'll realize that's not how I normally respond to this. And it forces me, it pushes me to get closer to God, to spend some more time with him and to seek God's face. Because see, here's what Psalm says in Psalms 19.7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Reading God's word will refresh our souls. While Jesus was fasting for 40 days and being tempted to turn stones into bread, his response was this, Matthew 4.4. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of Jesus. Are you feasting on the words that come out of the mouth of God? If we feed on them, we will revive our souls Therefore, if we're not feeding ourselves, guess what we're doing? We are consuming worldly things like stress and worry. If we're not feeding on the word of God to revive ourselves, we're starving ourselves, but we're feeding on what the world feeds on. So the opposite is true. If we're spending time with God, then we'll have joy and peace. Now, that doesn't mean everything's perfect, but in it, you can still have joy and peace. Isn't it interesting how we see people go through struggles and we think to ourselves, if I was going through that, I don't know how I would survive. I don't understand how they're doing it. And when you really ask them, they will tell you they're spending time with God. So many of my mentors, I've asked them, hey, how do I get to hear the voice of God like how you do? How do I get to spend, like how do I get to a place where you just understand the voice of God and you just walk in this anointing? And then they begin to tell me what they've lived through. And they'll be like, Chad, it's only because of this that I had to walk through this to get to this point and the struggles that they had to walk through. The joy and peace, this is what happens when I get up early and I'm spending my mornings with God. I do, I have less worries. I can handle the stress that comes my way. It doesn't take stress away. It doesn't take worry away. But I can handle it differently. Hebrews 1.3 says this, The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. He sustains 
all things, including you and I. We are sustained by both his, both his written word, the log, Logos word that we talked about last week, and the ongoing rhema word of him speaking to us. The biblical writers are uniform in inviting, advising us to be emotionally whole and strong. We need to be strongly connected to the only one who sustains us. We need to be connected to that vine. Yet God didn't want us to be robots. This is the great thing about God. He doesn't force you to. If you don't want to be connected to the vine, it's okay. It's your decision. We don't have to. But it is better for us to connect. And to remain connected takes a daily routine with God. And so it's your call. Number three, when we're connected, we have victory over the temptation to sin. We understand and know that daily confession is required of us. Yes, we're supposed to confess to the Lord our sins. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on. We're going to talk about confession and repentance much later on, but we will get there. But wouldn't it be wonderful, instead of just confessing and repenting, to actually have victory over sin? You know that habitual sin that you were doing that maybe nobody else knows about. Maybe it's critical thinking. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's lying. Maybe it's stealing. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's alcohol. Maybe it's drugs. Whatever it is, wouldn't it be nice to have victory over it? See, here's what you have to understand. First off, if you have a hidden sin, the enemy is telling you that you're the only one that struggles with this. But James tells us in James 1.14 to 15, he says this, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires, when after the desire uh, has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Sorry, I thought it was a different verse. It also, James lets us know that you are not, it's, uh, everybody has the same struggles. So here we have our own unique ones, but you're not sinning in something that nobody else has done. Whatever you're struggling with, there's somebody else that's struggling with it or has had victory over it. You are not alone. You're not going to stand up and confess something and everybody in the room goes, that's a new one. No. That's how the enemy lies to us. If you confess that you're struggling with this, they're going to think so little of you. No. Somebody in the room will walk over to you, and they can't right now, but they would hug you normally and say, I've been there. And you're sitting here like, no, Chad, you don't know what I'm dealing with. No, somebody in the room does. Well, how do you know that? Just statistics. You won't tell me something you're struggling with that will shock me. The enemy wants to keep us quiet with our sins because he's winning. But when you confess it and bring it to light, there's freedom in that. Because he can't hold it over you. Oh, what if they find out? We'll love you. We'll love you. Why will we love you? Because you don't know what we struggle with. 
You don't know what we've come through. You don't know who in the room has, has walked through exactly what you're walking through. But here's the thing when it comes to our sinful nature. It's our own desires. The enemy just finds out what we desire and he pulls on it. And he tempts us. That's why, as much as somebody else in the room has done what you've done, there's also people in the room that haven't. That doesn't mean they're worse or you're better. It doesn't mean anything like that. All it means is we're different. And James is telling us here that we're dragged away by our own desires and our own sinful natures. 2 Peter 2.10 says this, This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the flesh and despise authority. See how they link that together? Desires of the flesh and despise authority. If you have a hard time with authority in your life, you need to seek God on it. You need to seek the Lord. And we all operate with some kind of authority over us. And we need to stay true to what God has said. Corrupt desire of the flesh and despise authority. Our sinful nature is what's tugging at us. And if we give into it, we will be dragged away. And as we read earlier, it brings death. I am wrong and you are wrong to think that all temptation is a direct result from the devil. They're not. There are some temptations in our life that is just us. Why? Because we desire it. That's the first realization we have to get to. I remember John Bevere telling a story where um, somebody had come to his, one of his services and gave their heart to the Lord and for years trying to quit smoking, couldn't do it. And it brought another friend to another time and, and his friend came with him. His friend gave his heart to the Lord and that night was delivered from tobacco and alcohol. And they were driving home and his friend was telling him, Oh, man, like I threw my cigarettes. I have no desire. I have nothing feeling, nothing going on. I feel so free. And he was like, oh, that's amazing. This is so great for you. I'm so excited. Dropped him off at his house, and he was so angry in his car. God, how did you set him free, and you still haven't set me free? And he said he heard the voice of God so clear because you still like them. Man. I hate when God says that to me. God, why am I still struggling with this? Why do I still get angry about this? Why do I still do? Because you're selfish. Well, thanks, God. Some of our temptation is us. And once we own it, here's the way we own it. Truthfully, you tell somebody. You confess it. And when we confess it, it takes it away. It takes away that secretness. And somebody can ask you, hey, how are you doing with that? How are you holding, how are you walking through that? How are you getting through it? And what we have to realize is our sinful nature. Now, some of us immediately go, well, if it's my sinful nature, then it's not my fault. No, that's not correct either. It's still mine. It's still yours. But because we have a sinful nature, God has given us his spirit. 
and his spirit has come, and through him we can overcome these tugs and temptations. Romans 6, verse 14 says, for sin, shall, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Under grace, we've been given God's spirit living in us by which we can put to death our sinful nature, the misleading of our bodies and the influence over our sinful desires. By having the spirit in us, we can put it to rest and we can have victory over it. Romans 8.13 says, If we live according to the flesh, you will die, but if, if, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So the more connected we are to the Spirit, we are able to put to death the desires of our flesh. Galatians 5.16 goes on to say, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So how do I walk by the Spirit? How do I not gratify this flesh? It's when I build up my spirit by spending time with God. If I spend time with God, my spirit will be stronger in my flesh. What are you investing in in your life? If you're not investing in your spirit, you are automatically investing in your flesh. It's a default. Because you have to build up your spirit because your flesh will just take over. Anybody notice through this pandemic that you could go to the gym for months and months and years before, and as soon as the pandemic hit and the gyms closed, it was like your body went, whoop. This is what happens with our spirit and our flesh. You have to put energy into building your spirit, because if not, your flesh takes over. Peter really explains this in 2 Peter 1, 3-4. He says that his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Let that sink in. This is something you want to write down. His divine power has given you everything you need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. When we are connected to God, connected to Christ, we are supernaturally empowered by the Spirit living within us to escape the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. And this we can't do on our own. We need Jesus. We need the Holy Spirit. When we yield to him, and empowered by his spirit, we can resist the temptation of sinful nature. But there's more. Sinning also gives a foothold to the enemy and some kind of demonic influence in our lives as we talked about last week. And so this is why we need to be connected to the spirit. Ephesians 4, 26, 27, we talked about this in our table talk, that in your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. When this happens, he attacks us. Maybe it's by your emotions and through your emotions, by increasing wrongful anger, or we already feel against each other. He takes those feelings, he elevates them. And this is why, honestly, you're in the first service. This is why the bait of Satan during the second service is such a great course to take so we understand how the enemy attacks us when we get offended. And last week we talked about putting on the full armor of God to be able to set these, uh, to be able to stop the enemy. 
And by putting on the full armor of God, this is where if we're still giving into sin, we will have areas in our lives that we realize there's gaps in the armor. And that's where we have to spend the time with the Lord to make sure we're not vulnerable to the attacks of the devil. And we can fill these gaps in our armor by spending time with the Spirit who is living within us. We are to resist temptation. And Paul says this in Colossians 3.9, Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So as we take off our old selves, we also are supposed to put on our new selves. But we take off our old selves, we renew ourselves by spending time with the Lord. And God wants to help us overcome temptation. That's why in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. This is the verse I was looking for earlier. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Here's the tough part. When we're tempted and we give in to sin, if we really pray about it, you will remember, and you might not even have to pray about it, where he gave you a way out. He's faithful in this. He's faithful to provide a way out. But we need to be connected to the vine so that we hear his voice when he directs us away from temptation. Now, here is an easy way from temptation that scripture tells us. We are supposed to flee from evil. We are supposed to run from evil. So the next time you're tempted and you're in a situation that's awkward and hard and you're like, what do I do? I want to encourage you. Turn and physically run. Physically run. Run away from it. You're only following scripture. The fourth effect of being connected to God is this. We can grow in godly character. We can also... Uh, Just as we talked with Paul, we can take off our old self. We need to put on new self. Colossians 3.10 says, And we have put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of our Creator. We put on new by spending time with the Lord. First Peter, he says it, uh, Peter explains it a little bit differently, and he says this in uh, First Peter 2. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. See, Peter, he says it just like Paul, rid yourselves, take off of it. Paul encourages us and says, uh, Peter, Paul says put on, which is nice. Or sorry, Paul says put on. Peter says it a little more bluntly when he says grow up. We need to grow up in our faith. And this requires daily devotion. This requires time with the Lord to rid ourselves of it, to draw closer to him. Number five, we become successful in our lives when we're close to the Lord. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge because they have rejected knowledge. I also reject you as my priest because you have ignored the law of God. I also will ignore your children. Don't reject the wisdom of God. Don't sit here right now and hear this message and be like, yeah, I'm okay. No, Get into the word of God. This is where you're going to get your wisdom and knowledge. And we need it. Pastor Chris Durkin, he said this, what you don't know will hurt you. His word is what we need. Proverbs 24, 32 says, I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. 
Here is Solomon telling us that he gained wisdom and knowledge by watching and seeing and observing what God is doing. Read the Proverbs of, Saul, of Solomon and learn from him. So Proverbs 2, verse 11 to 12 says this, Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse. Proverbs 2, 3 to 4 says this, If you are called out for insight, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as, search for, it as for hidden treasure. We're talking about spending time with God and learning his wisdom and knowledge. I want you to do a hard gut check on the effort and energy you put into for silver and hidden treasures. Do you put the same energy into knowing God and being connected to him? So the five effects of being connected to Christ are that we have fellowship with the Lord, that we don't wither, we have victory over the temptation of sin, that we can grow in our godly character, and we become successful in our lives. All of this happens because you spend time with the Lord daily. And what should that look like? What should taking time with the Lord look like? I want you to write this down. Here's what taking time with the Lord should look like. And if you're having a hard time with devotional time, maybe your devotional time is dry. Give this a try. Your devotional time should look like, and I don't even know if I'm going to pronounce this right, because it's kind of smort. I know there's not a T, so smore. Smorput. Smorp? Smorp. There we go, smorp. I'm thinking s'mores. I'm hungry. Smorp. <laughs> Anybody else want to smore? Um, smorp. So the first one is scripture, message, and then obedience, repentance, and prayer. Spend time in the scripture. What does message mean? Sitting, listening for God to speak to you. What is he saying to you? And then actually obeying not only what you've read, but what he's instructed you to do. And then repentance. Sin that the Holy Spirit has required you to confess and repent of. Share it with somebody. And then prayers. Pray with God, both praying to him and listening for him. So here's your homework. Your homework this week is to try this, but also memorize Matthew 4.4. 4. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then I want you to discuss these questions. You can discuss them on your drive home. If you're at home, take time over lunch. Take time today over lunch throughout the week. If you have coffee with somebody this week that you know attends Bethel, I challenge you to bring these questions and maybe ha ask one or two of them over your coffee. You know what would be really fun? Make sure you have the memorized verse memorized and then ask the person, hey, did you memorize Matthew 4.4? What is it? It's a great way to start off your meeting. What stood out to you today in the message? Simple question. Nothing, you can't get it wrong. Number four, when, was the best, when is the best time of day for you to spend time with God? And if it's evening, please make sure you're not falling asleep. What part of SMORP do you find the hardest? And then number four is a challenging one. Practice repentance and confession. Confess one habitual sin that you are struggling with 
confess it to each other, and then pray together. That's one of the hardest ones, but it will begin to set you free. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this time of just reminding ourselves of how we spend time with you and and what it does in our lives and how it empowers us, it strengthens us. But Father, you help us uh, walk through life being able to conquer sin because we're connected to the vine and that we produce fruit. And so, Father, I pray that you will bless us, that you will help us to make you number one priority in our lives and help us to realize the importance of feeding on your word and strengthen us and help us to be a light for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 